0: Welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host Patrick Farrell, all the way from Boise, Idaho. How are you this week, Patty?
1: I am positively fantastic. However, I should note that by the time people are listening to this, oh yes, I won't actually be in Boise. You know, I think I will be if this I'm Cali, bro. If this comes out. <laughs> Two weeks' time essentially, I will be in San Diego. I'll be in there choking Jocko out in his gym, being like, shh, shh, shh. no tears now. No tears now, Jocko.
0: Should have lost that gut, Jocko. No.
1: But anyway, <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk about today,
0: Gary? Today, we're going to talk about building muscle and losing fat. I'm actually not, I actually don't think we've done a podcast on this before. We probably have. I I don't know.
1: We've we've touched on it a few times when we discussed a few different, like of the diet ones, because this this stuff that we're going to discuss today, the training stuff doesn't really change, but the diet stuff and how you approach it, and we'll say the the lifestyle stuff and how you approach it does change.
0: So what are we discussing? Yeah, so we're going to talk about body recomposition. And that is essentially what I would define as the process of building muscle and losing fat at the same time while staying relatively weight stable. Um, And that that's kind of a key point here because some people use the phrase recomp or recomposition to mean, you know, when they're just dieting down and then they're at a leaner point and that's kind of it. They're like, oh yeah, look, this was body recomposition. But specifically what we're talking about is that is that process of recomposition where someone is, you know, eating more or less around maintenance over a long period of time. And while they may see some slight changes in, in their weight, they are essentially undertaking both processes at the same time, losing, losing fat and gaining muscle. So that's kind of the focus of the discussion, but also with, you know, add on points related to, you know, if you are that person, you want to do both, what's the best way of going about it? Is this kind of maintenance approach best for you? Who might that be useful for? Um, And how do you, how do you go about setting goals? Like, like we discussed in the last podcast, how do you, or two podcasts ago, how do you take that, information about goal setting and apply it to this context for you you just don't know what to do you want to gain muscle but you also want to lose fat like all of us so so that's that's the context
1: yeah and I, what you just said there is a very key point that like recomposition like body recomposition is recomposing the body in terms of the the, the composition the body fat the the lean muscle like you are literally changing the composition right and what people mean by that is you are relatively or staying relatively at the same weight and losing fat and gaining muscle. Like that's, that's generally what the the given definition is. However, people do kind of put shades within that, you know, and what they'll say, like you were saying is people will actually be in like a fat loss phase. And because yeah, we'll, we'll say even in their fat loss phase, they gained a kilo of muscle, which would be ridiculous in itself, you know, but they'll call that a recomposition then, you know, or people will just be in a pure fat loss phase. And because they, they lost 10 pounds or whatever, and now they look like they're bigger, they'll be like, Oh yeah, I really recomposed the body. I gained muscle and I lost fat, you know, in, in reality, they just maintain their muscle and lost fat, you know? So what body recomposition? means, like there's no, I don't think there's a fucking Webster dictionary definition of it. uh, And what people see propagated online or discussed online are two different things, generally. You know, a body recomposition, in my mind at least, means that you stay relatively the same body fat, or sorry, not body fat, body weight. You know, you might lose a kilo or gain a kilo, but you've essentially stayed the same as you are right now except you've lost fat and you've gained muscle, right? And at that, they've, they've been pretty much at the same rate. So you end <laughs> being your same weight, but you have more muscle and less fat, right? So discussing this, like it's actually a very easy thing to do, but it's also a very hard thing to do because people will have de- different definitions in their head, you know? So we're going to have to run with the definition that we have in terms of, you're ending up the same weight, but you're more muscle and less fat, you know? And what what you also said there was these two processes happening at the same time, which is not actually what's happening, right? These processes are happening at different times. Now, this this goes into a very deeper, like mechanistic thing, which if you describe it superficially, it can seem like it's an on-off switch, but that's just not the case with the human body. It's like, yes, this stuff can be happening, the switch can be turned on in this part of the body and turned off in this part of the body. And overall, that can be a net positive, negative, whatever way you view things, you know, so gaining muscle and losing fat, they're two different pathways, you know, so like we, we can get into the mechanistic stuff, but I actually don't think it helps the discussion overall like we have articles on site about it it's like you look up the the AMPK and mTOR articles like you can you can read deeper into that if you want but essentially the processes of losing fat are antagonistic to the processes of gaining muscle so when you're discussing losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time you can only look at that at a a larger time scale and what I mean by that is over say the, the course of 24 hours there can be large sections where you're in a a gaining muscle signal right and then there can be large sections when you're in a losing fat signal you know and this 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 is really hard for people to fully grasp even though they can kind of go oh yeah no that makes sense you know like you see people sharing like uh, studies or anecdotes or articles or whatever where it's like oh well i I, lo- I lose fat in the morning when I do my, my cardio, and then the rest of the day I can turn on the signal for muscle building. And they'll be like, "Oh yeah, like this this clearly shows better fat oxidation because there's a, there's a study that shows that." But it's like if you understand the actual processes behind this, that's that's not what that study is actually showing. You know. So while this this discussion is actually very complex at a, a mechanistic level how that actually practically impacts you, it isn't actually that hard to do, right? And setting out a plan of action to achieve your goal isn't actually that hard to do, right? So where do we kind of start with this discussion, Gary? Like what's, like what, because obviously well, well, we'll preface this, because we got, we got a question in the group, uh, which you should all be a part of. If you're not a part of the group, you're missing out on, i don't know 98 99% of the the content that we produce you know the, the discussions that we have so like obviously that's that should be your first port of call. like you should pause this if you're listening to it i don't care if you're driving pull over join the facebook group <laughs> um pause the video join the facebook group you know um but this was a, this is a question from one of the guys in, in the facebook group um because we asked for questions for the podcast and essentially the the, the question was along the lines of you know we, can you discuss the the holy grail of recomping, building muscle, and dropping body fat? Uh, and like he trains guys, so he's talking about like you know a large portion of the people that come to him, you know that's kind of what they're they're looking for. And he was wondering how he should kind of set up things. Like, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> uh, uh, he's like discussing things like whether he should start with this kind of recomp phase or. Should he like go into a fat loss phase, a gaining phase? He also wanted to know a little bit about, you know, is gaining muscle or going into a gaining phase when you're already at a higher body fat an issue? Like, is that something that we should try to not do? Like, should we diet first? Should we recom first and then go into a gaining phase? Um, and then essentially the, the conversation kind of steered towards, uh, you know, the, the, the issue of like skinny fat where you're kind of like, I don't have enough muscle but I'm also fat. And I, I mean that as a, a subjective term, you know, you're like, I have too much body fat that I, then I would like, you know? So, you know, that, that, that's obviously different for different people and different populations, but you, you just don't have enough muscle, but you also have too much body fat. So you're not even like, you're not like that wiry lean muscular where it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like you clearly are look fit and you know, you don't have a lot of body fat, but you don't have an awful, an awful lot of muscle. Whereas the other thing is where you're like, you don't have an awful lot of muscle and you have too much body fat. So you kind of just are in that in-between stage. So that's the kind of preface for this discussion.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think for for those listening, it'd be helpful to lay down some, some background context here. So normally when we're talking about building muscle um, or losing fat, there's there's generally going to be a delineation between the two, as in people would approach one thing at a time. So, you know, if, if you're coming at this being like, oh, I'm new to this whole fitness thing, this is kind of the background context. So generally people will approach building muscle by over-consuming calories, okay? So they're, they're eating more calories than their body requires in order to maintain their weight, okay? Very simple, you add in more calories, your body is in a more anabolic state overall, so you're more able to build new tissues, build new proteins, um, and in this case, build muscle, also build fat um but, but other things too you know build capillaries build mitochondria etc you know you've got energy that can, that can be allocated to lots of different tissues in the body so it's not just about muscle either um so that's what happens when you when you over consume calories you've got more energy that you can allocate to um those additional resources that you're going to be building essentially so so that that's why people would generally approach um, muscle building in that way then on the other side yeah, of the coin so it's
1: on that course, it's like, and then if you just put in that signal of resistance training, it's like okay, so I have this excess of calories, like I can use this to just gain body fat or whatever else, but, oh, we've got this extra stimulus that I have to adapt to. We're going to put some of those resources towards that. So like this, is this just as an aside, like when people talk about the discussion, it's like, oh, is diet more important than training? Is training more important than diet? It's like, th- there, there can't be a delineation. Like, yes, like diet is more important because if you don't supply the energy needed to train, you you can't train, you know? And if you don't supply the energy needed to adapt to that training, it's like your training is always going to be shocking, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's like, you can eat in a calorie surplus. and you may gain some muscle maybe on your calves because, you know, they're effectively doing resistance training as you get larger and larger. Um, didn't work for me, but whatever. Um, but, the, you need to provide that signal for your, your body to actually adapt. And that comes from training. So it's like, these are not a w- or either or argument. It's like these two things fit together to actually get you the uh, end outcome. But anyway, sorry for interrupting.
0: You're fine. Yeah. So essentially what we're saying is that the back, the background, like energy status, you could call it of the diet is really, really important for setting setting the scene as to whether or not you're going to to build muscle um, not build muscle lose fat or not lose fat so on the other side of the coin when people are trying to lose body fat generally generally what they will do is eat less calories um which is just a measure of the energy in your diet um, eat less calories than they require in order to maintain their weight so then you begin to lose bodily tissue of some form ideally you want that to be body fat as opposed to as opposed to muscle um, but there, there's always going to be some component um, of, of lean mass loss that mightn't even be the result of muscle. So there's other things that, that can account for that too. So that's, that's like the, the, the background energy status stuff. But as Patty alluded to there, there's also like additional inputs that contribute to anabolic or catabolic signaling. So like anabolic, you can think of as like building up catabolic, you can think of as breaking down. So resistance training, um, and protein feeding are two very potent um, stimuli for building muscle. So, so when when you're thinking about like eating in a calorie deficit and, and losing body fat, it's not as simple as just the calories or the energy status. Because if you don't have those inputs of sufficient protein or sufficient resistance training, which is really really important, then you'd expect more of that that weight loss to come from lean mass than from than from fat mass. So. It's not just calories it is about other things as well and then you, you can take that again a step further and consider other things like the the amount of stress in your life if you're under a lot of stress at any given point you're more you're, you're less likely to be building new muscle so what you might what you might find is that you build a little bit less muscle and gain more fat for a given calorie surplus or you lose a little bit more muscle and a little bit less fat at a given um, calorie deficit. The same thing can be said for sleep deprivation, um, alcohol consumption, some, some drug use. Some drug use is going to lead to the opposite effect of more muscle building. Um, but yeah, so, so there's lots of different things that are going on there. So you've got your background energy status, and then you've got different contributors to the anabolic or catabolic signaling pathways. And th- that's essentially the overall context. So then where, where things become interesting from a recomposition perspective is when you are at that kind of maintenance level, so you're 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 eating enough calories to supply supply your body to just be able to maintain weight, but because you've essentially got your you've got your resistance training and your protein feedings as potent anabolic stimuli, you're still going to be building new proteins um, along way along your resistance training journey, and as as you build up those new proteins, they're they're then using up more of the energy that that's coming from that maintenance calorie level, and hence your gradually, slowly losing a little bit of body fat because that background like fat oxidation is taking place all the time. And if more of the energy is being diverted to something like muscle building, then that can lead to a recomposition effect. Um, over time so so yeah that would be the way i think about it anyway do you think that's a fair summary of what's going on here
1: yeah it's a good way to kind of contextualize things it's basically like as i said like that kind of switch between anabolic and yeah. catabolic processes and again throughout a, d- throughout a day eating at a maintenance level sometimes that switch for anabolic processes can be on and sometimes that switch for catabolic processes can be on and obviously there's a magnitude they're more like dimmer switches if you really want to think of it uh in a our proper context it's like oh sometimes we've we've turned the anabolic processes up a little bit and turned the catabolic ones down a little bit you know and oh we can see over time it's like oh the anabolic ones are slightly going up oh the 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 catabolic ones are actually slightly going up as well at different points of the day so it's like at, at, at the end of it how that affects the body is like muscle mass slowly but surely goes up and then fat mass slowly but surely goes down you know so when, when people ask like is building muscle and losing fat at the same time possible, not directly at the same time, but over a time scale. Yes. You know? So this, the Holy grail of recomping 100% possible. Right. So the question becomes like, is it something that you should actually aim for? You know, like it, we can we can sit here all day and just fucking circle jerk each other off and talk about yeah. different mechanistic stuff and go like, oh, well, yeah, this and what about this and how this in, interplays with it. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to eating at roughly a maintenance calorie level and resistance training, like providing all the inputs that you would if you were trying to build muscle or lose fat and essentially try to do that while eating at a calorie maintenance level you know so the, the, the real question is is it something that we should look to actually achieve is it something that's going to help us over the the long haul is it like is it something that is a good starting point because that was essentially the question is like well i have people that are either skinny fat or they have they have muscle, but they have a little bit too much fat, but they still want to gain muscle. Should we focus on recomping first and then go from there? Or, like, when, when is it when is a recomping phase, we'll call it, um, appropriate, right? and um, So, that, that's essentially the, the, the question we're left with. But before we get on to that, I just want to touch on something else because this is something that you see, which again muddies the water. And we're actually going to do a podcast on something similar well yeah essentially this concept at another time but the the concept of the the fitness industry actually lies right in terms of what they what they do because what you'll see is this concept is propagated but it'll be discussed in the context of like oh we did this with the diet and we did this with training and here was the result and it can kind of look like jesus this person lost body fat and gained muscle like obviously this approach is wonderful but they just don't mention the fact that it's like oh we were on x y and z drugs you know it's like these like we were talking about these anabolic processes and catabolic processes and whatever it's like if you just give this this uh stimulus that is incredibly anabolic like the the discussion we're having now is almost null and void because you've just given this hyper signal you know so the anabolic processes are switched right the fuck on you know because you're 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 giving a drug that does that you know so you can essentially be building muscle even in in a deficit purely because you're on drugs you know and you you see this all the time as well when people discuss like coming into a contest prep they'll be like oh I grew into the show you know it's like like you never see a natural athlete saying I grew into the show they might be like well you know I have not been training my rear delts that much uh during my off season and I kind of started when I lost a little bit of fat, I noticed that they, they weren't really that full. So I started training them more often. And, you know, I think I added you know, a, little, a tiny bit of muscle. Onto it, but Overall, they're still like, yeah, I lost 30, 40 pounds in, in, in preparing for this competition, you know, whereas you'll see people who are in enhanced divisions and they're like, yeah, no, I actually gained five kilos in this prep of like from my starting week. They'll be like, oh, I started dieting at 95 kilos. And on competition day I was hundred kilos, you know? And they're like, Yeah, I lost like we'll say ten percent body fat. And you're like, How how the fuck is that even possible? But again, you have to factor in, it's like you use a load of drugs to get to that point. So the anabolic and catabolic signaling is is completely skewed. In a direction because again like just imagine you're eating at maintenance and you know you're kind of like oh anabolic you've got your resistance training and you've got you know your protein feedings and you know calories to an extent although they are kind of at maintenance and then you've got some catabolic processes but those catabolic processes can like the fat oxidation will say can kind of go way up because you've provided this extraordinary anabolic stimulus right so you're not providing <laughs> enough calories to actually get that so you're actually eating at a deficit but because these anabolic processes are so high, you know, the, the mm-hmm. deficit comes from the, the fat stores that you have, you know? So like it is more nuanced once you start talking and throwing drugs into the mix, you know, and that's unfortunately what you see a lot of information put out in the fitness industry, but it's just not touched on. You know, it's like, oh, like this of course, recomping is easy. I and mean, you see this all the time. People use drugs will say stuff like that it's like yeah like i just did this little recomp phase and again they're like yeah i gained like three kilos and lost a load of fat and that can make it seem (coughs) you that oh that's this is a real possibility to make some like substantial changes to someone's physique and you'll also see this as well with people coming off uh like a a period of time where they're not training you know, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, I haven't really been training for the last three months. You know, maybe they were out fucking exploring, adventuring on holidays, whatever the fuck. Maybe they just didn't want to train, you know. And then they will be like, oh, like, this is what I did to get back in shape. And it looks like they just did this unbelievable recomp phase. But all they really did was lose some fat while they were building old muscle tissue, you know. So like that concept of like muscle memory is a thing now. To what magnitude we can we can sit here all day and try to parse that out but it, it is a thing so gaining muscle that you've previously lost does seem to be easier than gaining new tissue you know so you'll also see that from those, those people that are like yeah i haven't been training well they they won't really approach it like that they'll just be like oh i just did a little recomp phase and it looked like they gained 10 kilos of muscle while losing 10 kilos of fat you know so you do have to when you you when you're looking at this information out there or if you're looking up the term of like body recomposition you you have to be aware that there are different populations that are going to be able to do this better than other populations and that's generally people who are on anabolics and people who are coming off say an injury or a period of time where they haven't been training you know so you do have to overlay that onto the overall onto the overall conversation. Cause I know people are going to listen to this and be like, "Ah, nah, these guys just, they don't know the secrets. You know, I, my fucking, this guy I follow on Instagram, he, he shows the way, like he's, he's done it or like, I know someone that did this. And it's like, yeah, but when you look at the actual situation, it either involves drugs or it involves a period of time of not training and then starting training again you know or again like there is the the other one where it's like you've just been ticking along with training and it hasn't been that intensive and then all of a sudden you kick up training kick training up a gear you know you really dial down on the diet the 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 health parameters we'll call your sleep your your relaxation your stress management all those things like you you tidy up all these peripheral factors and all of a sudden it's like oh my body composition just changed completely and it's because you started, you, you played around with the variables even though you were eating the same calories, you know?
0: Yes, sir. So that brings us to the who, you know, the who, that, who is this process going to be useful for? And like primarily for like from, from my perspective, the, the deliberate attempt to like more or less maintain while trying to build muscle and or build muscle and lose body fat is primarily reserved for those beginners, you know, primarily beginners or individuals after a layoff from training, as you said, or post-injury, any one of those contexts where you're either new or you're coming back from a period away from training or injury or illness or anything along those lines that could have led you to have gone away from where you previously were. Um, so, so they they are the main context in in which this can this can work, but that doesn't mean that it's a it still doesn't mean it's the best idea um, at the there, same there, time. Is,
1: there is actually another one as well but it's almost peripheral to this discussion like it's what i call a a tenance pay uh gain phase where it's like we're really just at maintenance but if we can gain some strength if we can gain some muscle happy days you know and that would be mainly for say an in-season athlete you know where it's like we're, mm, we're kind of just yes. eating that maintenance and like if we get some body recomposition going on happy days it's not really our focus our focus is to kind of support your training but they essentially always fall into that kind of thing where you're like the discussion is actually the same discussion as the the body recomposers you know where it's like yeah we're, we're basically just eating that maintenance you know some days we might have more because you have a very important match or game or training session or whatever you know so we're trying to make ensure that your fuels for that as 100 adequately as you can but with training and overall nutrition it's like we're, we're kind of looking to maybe get a little bit stronger but the, the main focus is just to kind of keep you injury free and keep you you know tickling along with strength keep muscle mass there you know that kind of way so they they're kind of peripheral to, to this overall discussion. I kind of think they always get glanced over as if it's a different thing. But it, essentially, it is the same thing.
0: Yep, that's more or less what I do a lot of the time, to be honest. <laughs> Just kind of staying like around, around the same weight. Like, and if, if I gain strength and muscle, cool. If not, I'm not going to be, be too upset about it either. Uh, because obviously, we... Come on.
1: Uh, yeah, this is also, if you look at the article series, because we basically have an entire article series <laughs> discuss yes. diet for this. So if you look at our it's a tier tier three uh, diet in the, the nutrition section. And like we literally talk you through what we're going to talk through now in a second. Uh, but we also in that last article of that series, it's like the I think it's called the long term calorie appropriate diet. And the same
0: essentially yeah,
1: calorie appropriate yeah. diet. diet. You know, and essentially what we're discussing, you know, you'll get to a stage where you're like I'm, like I'm probably not going to gain a ridiculous amount of strength. I'm probably not going to gain a ridiculous amount of muscle. You know, maybe you've been training for five years, 10 years, you know, but you still want to be able to progress in whatever way you can, you know? And again, with the diet, it's like, well, like I'm not, I don't want to be going through these huge bulk phases or cutting phases. I'd I'd like to just, you know, be happy in my physique year round, whatever body fat level that is for you, you know? And and that's again, where this kind of, we'll call it a gain tenance phase comes in and essentially that's where most people once they've been training and eating in a nutritionally adequate manner uh, for a while that's eventually where they kind of end up and this is what you see unfortunately again on like social media it's like people will have been training for 10 years and then they'll explode on social media and it's like well what they're doing now is not what they were doing to get to that point you know you'll see them and they're they're lean year-round and it's like, yeah, well, they've been training for 10 years. They've gone through these gaining phases where they got fat. They've gone through these phases where they got ex- like exceptionally lean. They've done that back and forth and gaining, losing, gaining, losing. And then they kind of like, oh, well, like they're, I'm not getting a huge return on either of those things. So I'm just going to kind of stay at the calorie level that I, I deem appropriate for me and the body fat level that I, I enjoy or deem appropriate for me. And again, like that kind of gets pushed into the, into the, the ether of the fitness fitness sphere. And you're kind of like, Oh, well, like they just eat roughly at maintenance and they seem to be shredded all all year round. So that's what I have to do there. You know, and basically you follow that template when it's like, that's not what got them to where they are now. But anyway, sorry, go on Gary.
0: Yeah. And, and just that you bring up those kind of those points there, there is another, there's another example worth considering here that can kind of put things into perspective because like, I think, I think I think that like you know the last the last the last few years obviously more and more and more and more people are are coming to know to notice that all oh, you know calories actually are important and most of you know the body body composition outcomes that that we we're seeking tend to be related to changing your calories in some way whether it's fat loss or muscle building as we've discussed and that but that can be really reduced into this simple idea that it's all about average calories over time and hence it it just doesn't really matter when you eat them you know it's just, just not important at all and you can see how this how this plays out like cuz i was actually asked this before like when some someone asked you know if i you know if i just eat if i bulk for 12 months and then i diet for 6 months like or diet for 12 months as well the same period of time let's say like how's that how's that not the same as me just maintaining over all that period of time you know and not and not ever getting into um A surplus or a deficit. You know, people ask questions like that. But but a, a really good example to try and that that should make sense to a lot of people is if you think about like a bodybuilder coming out of a show, right? And they're super lean, they're absolutely shredded. What happens? Some people after their show is they get into this binge-restrict cycle, and some of you may have experienced that, independent of ever competing in bodybuilding. So you get into this binge-restrict restrict cycle where, let's say you binge like so hard on a saturday and sunday which might be your rest days you binge super hard and then you like starve yourself for the week but over the course of the week you're still in a net surplus and you begin you begin gaining gaining body fat but you end up gaining pretty much only like body fat because you've never fueled your sessions midweek you're always starving midweek you're, all, you're like in this massive deficit. You're really like down in energy and training and everything. And then you're in this massive surplus at the weekend. So you're in a net surplus over time, but you're not. You're very, very unlikely to build as much muscle in that case as you would if you actually overfed across the week evenly where you're fueling each of your sessions. So I think that's one of the points that, that gets lost in these discussions is that nutrition, while while it is important to look at average, averages over time, it's still important to remember that there are these pathways like you're like you like we've mentioned that are actually facilitating all these changes. And the reason we use energy, energy status, like or an energy quantifier, you could say, um, as our, our unit is because like you can only calculate so much. You know, like we've got that article on site that, that you wrote Patty, about why we use why we measure calories and not ATP, because like like things are really complicated under under the hood. So it's very important not to take sound bites like, oh, it's all calories, and just think that it actually is just all average calories over time and it doesn't really matter otherwise um, because things are dynamic. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they're, they're the people that, that are likely to benefit from something like body recomposition. You know, As we said, those, those beginners, people after layoffs from training or injury, and people who are maybe not overly pushed about gaining muscle or strength in the short term. They're kind of in, it, they're in a, a situation where weight maintenance is ideal for their sport. Maybe it's for a weight class. Something along those lines, and um, you could even make the case that it could be useful for someone like a powerlifter who just wants to stay in that 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 specific weight, um, where they're not they're not moving away from their weight class at all. And I've spoken to to one powerlifter who actually did that for like three years, just stayed like at the same weight, and you know had had repeat DEXs and stuff. And obviously, there's problems with that But when you're getting them constantly and there's consistent changes, you can be like, okay, there's probably something to it. Um, but he lost, he lost body fat and gained muscle over time, but it's a really long-term thing. So the reason, the reason it's, it's, it's not as simple as saying, all right, all beginners should go and just do body recomposition is that it's one of the biggest problems is that it's really difficult to measure. Okay. And trying to measure your, your progress is, like firstly, when you are a beginner, a big part of your buy-in is the fact that you are seeing progress. So for example, if fat loss is the goal, like although it's, it's good to try and not get too attached to it. People love seeing the difference on the scales. They love seeing the difference in their weekly progress picks. Um, and I know like some of my clients, when they check in, they're like, Oh, it's such a good week. I'm actually so motivated now to have another good week. Because that kind of builds on itself. So if you first get into the gym and you hire like myself or Patty as your trainer and we're doing this recomposition thing and we say to you, yeah, you're definitely going to notice like some fat loss and muscle gain, but it might take a couple of months for us to notice something. And before there's a meaningful difference, it could be six months. You're kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. So you don't get that initial buy-in and you don't really know if you're moving in the right direction because you don't have the scales um, or the mirror really. To tell you whether or not things things are changing, um, and even in that case, using things like measurements is all, is also quite difficult because you can't really tell like what is what is the difference in fat mass and what is the difference in muscle mass since they're to some degree moving in, in different directions despite different volumes, blah blah blah. But yeah, measurement error, big big difficult thing there, um, especially from the the perspective of reinforcing your adherence. So. So that's one of the biggest problems that I see. Do you have anything to, to add there to that, Paddy?
1: Yeah, this, this is also, I suppose you could actually lump this into the, the populations that this might be applicable for, and that would be small females, right? Because while what Gary's saying is right there in terms of, you know, if you're coming to the gym and you're a beginner and you're kind of like, oh, I want to see progress faster because again, it's, it's motivating. Like fat loss is the easiest way to go about it. Muscle gain just takes a huge amount of time, right? However, if you're a small female, right? You could definitely, and I will, will say you have body fat that you wish to lose, right? Uh, you could definitely go into a fat loss phase, right? Like a, just an all out diet phase. Like if we gain muscle, happy days, if we don't, not not too big a deal, right? However, that can often lead to an excessive focus on like excessively low calories, you know, like to to lose the body fat because you are so like so small, like say you're just 50 kilo female, you know, you sit down for most of the day, like to get you to lose significant levels of body fat, you know, calories are gonna have to go down quite low or activity is gonna have to go quite high, you know? So those individuals in that category, I sometimes just put them into this body recomposition category (laughs) where it's like, yeah, like we're not going to get this significant fat loss right out the gate. Like, we can. If that's what you want to focus on, we can. But you have to realize that it's going to be relatively hard with calories, like sticking to a low calorie amount, especially if you haven't been dieting before, you've never succeeded in dieting. Like, putting you in this body recomposition, while it's less motivating, week to week can actually be what's necessary in terms of your long-term progress where we're still actually dieting so it's, it, like this is what i'm saying you could almost put it into this like we're not actually trying to body recompose like we're we're actively dieting but we're trying to keep calories ever so slightly below maintenance where we're just we're, we're kind of coaxing fat loss where it's like yeah like some weeks there's not going to be a huge amount, you know, but we're still, fo- still fueling enough so that your training sessions are good. But we're at we are at a slight calorie deficit. So body fat is trending down over time. However, if you've never trained before, uh, or you've never really structured your training, again, you do fall into that beginner category, where it's like, you are going to be building some muscle during this time, you know, and even though females do have a, we'll call it a harder time building muscle, like they're not, they're, magnitude of ability to build muscle is slightly lower and um, you can see this kind of body recomposition over time where we're not actually just this is a dieting phase it's like we're, we're slowly losing body fat yes we're in a calorie deficit but we are still fueling enough so that these we'll call them anabolic processes are still going on so i just wanted to I just whatever you said there a second ago just kind of take that off of my head where i was like that, that population does actually kind of fit into this overall discussion
0: Yeah, and I think like the important like thing to to point out there as well is the fact that you can absolutely like while in a calorie deficit you can still build muscle, and that's something a lot of people do forget. And and they when they're thinking about this body recomposition thing, they're like, right, it has to be like at maintenance, and obviously that's the initial definition that we gave. But you can still like like that's that's the problem is that people don't realize that if you actually are in a deficit, you can still build muscle. So they think that that's not an option but that is an option like you if you are someone who is like let's say you have excess body fat and that, that you'd like to lose or you should probably use for, lose for the for the reasons of health then that is an option just just to just to go into a deficit to lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time as in there there's there's plenty of research that has that has shown that and sometimes i would say it probably even underestimates the effect because of lean mass losses that aren't muscle being interpreted sometimes as the, them actually being muscle. So, so yeah, you can, you can definitely see muscle, muscle, muscle gain, especially again, if you if you're that beginner, if you're someone who has an excess of body fat, like the more fat you have on your body, generally, the more likely you're probably going to be able to get away, um, with building a bit of muscle while, in, while in the deficit. Like if you're already like really, really lean, like that's fairly unlikely because you're moving into, Low energy availability territory, and um, which comes with its with its own problems. And um, so, like, if you're eight percent body fat and you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to diet to like five percent and gain muscle," like, not happening. Man. <laughs> um so, yeah, like that that is that is possible to to get into that deficit and to gain muscle. And if you are that person who's really hesitant to get into a deficit because you think, "Oh, I don't think I could gain any muscle," or "I don't think I'm going to gain strength," then that's definitely worth reminding yourself of, especially if you're in your beginner, your beginner years. Um, so yeah, the, the other, the other thing about the, the body, body recomposition is not just measurement, but it's also, it's also a bit of a risk in that you're kind of, you're kind of end up spinning your wheels and like, there's no guarantee that you'll make a good bit of progress in that if you are, let's say someone who is more resistant to training, we'll say and you're more resistant to adaptations to training, you're just starting out training, you don't know what dose is required. And um, You could spend those first few months trying to figure out, you know, all right, what programming do we actually need to start making progress? And you could make very little progress just because of you as an individual, like you just don't have a, a, a massive response like some people do. And having that energy surplus in your favor would be like a really good idea to push you in the right direction. Because essentially like, like different individuals have different levels of anabolic potential and you can bring that down to the level of of one's genetics but also lifestyle as well which is so huge like everyone thinks that oh it's it's just my genetics but it's also the case that we 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 talk about this all the time like about you know are you are you a really really busy student who's also working like two jobs to to fund your fund your college fees you know that's a that's a very different context some to someone who might be totally stress free, sleeping enough all the time, lots of anabolic potential as a result of that. So that all modifies your exercise adaptation. So if you are not if you don't have a lot of things in your favor in terms of moving forward, then I would be trying to use as many things as possible. So I'd be using that calorie surplus if possible or that or that calorie deficit, depending on the goal, to push you to push you in the right direction. Um, so that that's definitely worth keeping in mind, especially if you're let's say three to six months into this kind of maintaining process. And you're like, I look the exact same. My training hasn't changed at all. Nothing is moving. Like you need as many, as many, as many of those anabolic things on your side as possible.
1: Yeah. So I think we should discuss the skinny fat stuff and then just kind of lay out a plan of action for this whole body recomposition thing, or if it is actually a good thing to do. And so with the with the with the concept of like skinny fat, where you don't have enough muscle but you have too much body fat for your liking, you know, it's a pretty straightforward process to actually address. However, it can kind of seem like these are the populate or this is the population that would benefit the most from this body recomposition thing because it seems like like this is exactly what they need. You know, they don't have an awful lot of the muscle, they have too much body fat, so they should be able to build more muscle because they're, they're at already a, we'll say a deficit of muscle and they're at an excess of fat. So it can seem like this population would respond the best to some sort of body recomposition template program. And to an extent that's right. But also if someone is coming to you with a low level of muscle mass, like and a, and a high level of body fat, it, it comes down to a kind of a needs analysis. It's like, what, what do we actually need to do to actually impact change in this individual, both from a, an aesthetic point of view, a body composition point of view, but also a health and performance point of view, right? Because this, and, and you did touch on it a second ago, like when we discuss all of this stuff, whether you, like you were saying with that individual, who was like, if I just gained for a year and then dieted for a year, is that the same as just, Maintaining for a year, you know, in terms of the outcomes, and like obviously to an extent, it it is because you're still providing those those stimuli. But at the same time, it's also not because like these things are are cumulative, right? And we'll we'll get to that in a second when we discuss kind of body fat levels and like because the guy who asked this question was looking at like you know the body fat percentage to start at a gaining phase, a losing phase, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this stuff is cumulative, so it's not just how you actually set things up right you have to take into account that we're not just this this closed system that it's like oh how much fuel that i put in my car like because essentially that's you can think of it like that if you put in an excess amount of fuel in your car you know it's like yeah what how does your car run then you know and if you then put in just not enough fuel in your car how does your car run then now obviously that's not a perfect analogy because there's no Deficit in energy, but essentially there is. If you just attach an extra tank onto your car, and for twelve months you filled up your car and the tank, right? And then for the next twelve months, it's like you only ever filled up your car. It's like that tank would obviously slowly start going down. The tank that you filled up over the year, right? But it's like that's that's not the full story of the argument, even just with the car analogy, because it's like okay, well, when you're when you're gaining, now you've got this extra tank to carry around. And that's, that's, you're using more fuel, right? And this again comes down to that kind of neat argument, that non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is also when people say like, oh, I have a slow metabolism. That's why I'm, you know, I gain weight. It's like, well, if you weigh more just by virtue of, first of all, eating more and weighing more, like your metabolism is higher than someone who eats less and weighs less, you know, just by virtue of those two things, presuming that your exercise or your non-exercise activity is the same. You know, because if you weigh 100 kilos, you walking around, you're burning through more calories. You know, like you ever see these people that like get up to like 400 pounds, like you put like a put them in like a, a metabolic ward where you're like, oh, let's see how many calories they burn in an hour of playing, I don't know, fucking bowling or something. It's like the most intense calorie burn that you could ever hope to get. Like you, Gary, on the treadmill or whatever. Like they're burning through like fucking 3000 calories playing an hour game of bowling. But it's because they weigh 400 pounds. They have to constantly like carry that around, you know? So your metabolism is actually higher if you are overweight or you are bigger, I should just say really. And so what was I saying before that? Oh, the, 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 the gas tank, you know? So if you're like, if you fill up that gas tank and you have that constantly full, like you have to think of like all the other things, like I want to go around with this. It's not, it's not the exact same as like, oh, well, yeah, I spent a year filling this gas tank up and driving around with that. It's like, that puts more strain on your car, your, your, your joints, the joints of the car, the suspension, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then again, if you spent a year just like slowly ticking into that uh, thing, it's like by the end of that, it's like, yeah, okay. We we ended up at the same point that we would have done if we just only filled up the car. But the difference in the wear and tear on the body, we'll say, even though like, I don't really like using that, analogy, that, that terminology, um, but the difference in how the car has experienced that year or you driving the car has experienced that year is completely different. And it's the same with humans. It's like, you can't just look at the calories and expect like, oh, we're a closed system. You know, it's like, no, you have to look into how does this affect you psychologically, how does this affect you like overall physiologically, and how does this affect you just on that kind of like I know you like to use the terminology and I don't, but that kind of bio biopsychosocial whatever, you know, like being in a deficit where you're eating fuck all calories is a completely different experience than if you are in a surplus eating more calories. Even from a social perspective, like eating more calories allows you more ability to socialize. You know, you just, most socializing events involve food of some sort, you know? So it's like, even down to that kind of stuff, it's like this, this all of this stuff does matter. You know, like you have to take into account. Like, so this is again where you, like, if you go back to that uh, podcast we did on like the, the calories in, calories out argument versus hormones, it's like, we touched on a few of these things, but it's like, you, you actually have to think way deeper than just this superficial, like calories in calories out argument when you actually want to discuss something that is as nuanced as this body recomposition stuff,
0: you know? Yep. You're some biopsychosocialist. Um, The, yeah. It's uh, not, it's, it's not a model. It actually,
1: it actually is a model. They just had to change that after they said that because it didn't work. But anyway, go on.
0: It's not a model and it's never been implemented because it's not a model.
1: Because doesn't because
0: you know, Mr. Engel never even formalized it as a model. He introduced oh, the so concept.
1: Oh, so it's just a vague concept. Makes sense. Exactly, yeah. yeah nice. it, is, it is
0: vague.
1: I'm just going to make a vague concept and be like, yeah, of course we should apply these in a medical setting.
0: Exactly, yeah. Makes sense. But anyway we can talk about it. I, I i hate arguing for for other people um, against your straw men. but anyway and um, what i was going to say is that an interesting thought experiment to consider just just because we're here and, and you you mentioned it is um how weight loss and gain could affect something like your your squats your squat strength because i think this is interesting to consider with reference to like how, how 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 let's say max maximal voluntary isometric contraction your maximal strength that's that's often measured measured in the sports science lab is like a it's basically an isometric knee extension on a, a a dynamometer essentially so you you do that and then you're you're only essentially extending your knee you never actually have to lift the mass of your leg whereas if you do something like a squat you're actually also lifting your your body weight um to some degree, like you can break it down of what's actually happening at each joint. Like, but, but you're lifting more mass as you actually get. Just,
1: just, just on that point, that's why I always say my squats are infinitely more impressive than everyone else's because essentially you're never going to be lifting your calves in your squat. So we'll say for most people, that's 80% of their body weight, you know everything above the knee. But for me, that's 99% of my body weight. So whatever weight I have on the bar, it's just always more impressive.
0: yeah so what i was thinking is like if you you basically just um if you lost 40 kilos of body weight and like like this is why it's funny when people are like oh i i I only maintain my strength i wanted to gain so much strength if you lost like let's say 40 kilos of body weight and then you still like main maintained your actual squat then like think about what's actually happened there you know (laughs) as in like you're you're technically lifting um Far, wait, what? What would you be lifting? You'd be lifting far, far less weight overall. So it's it's weird. It's weird to think about that stuff. But anyway, you can think about that another time and think about how heavy. This is why. This is why um, I'm I'm so strong on the on those lateral raises. You, you know, my my arms are just so skinny. It's just it's just too easy. Or would that make me? Yeah, that would make me strong. There you go. Anyway, back to the point.
1: The weight, the weight <laughs> is not actually what it seems. Always exactly.
0: Yeah, that's this that's is, kind of the point.
1: This is also something that. This is one of the reasons I like body weight exercises because they, they they keep you honest, right? And it's also something that you'll see people make re- ludicrous claims on, you know, because like they'll do this with body body bodyweight exercises because it's easy. Like you'll have someone that is sixty kilos and they'll be like, Oh, I did a chin up with twenty kilos attached to my body. They'll be like, I did sets of eight with twenty kilos attached to my body. You know and it's like yeah that's cool but like i weigh 100 kilos just as a baseline so even me just doing body weight chin-ups is a completely different like i've already overloaded then like 20 kilos more than you just with body weight you know so when you compare like uh, <coughs> like body weight movements it's like you have to compare like your your weight plus the weight that you're you're adding to it and then all of a sudden you see people be like oh oh jesus like this is completely different and this is also why you see then people who are say like fucking 200 kilos they're like strong men competitors it's like yeah of course they struggle to do chin-ups it's like they're literally like imagine i just lashed on 105 kilos or whatever because i weigh 95 ish kilos and just did chin-ups with that like be ridiculous so while obviously it's like that that, that relative versus absolute strength it's like I, I personally think that it makes it easier to compare when you discuss uh body weight movements you know however if you're dipping five plates i'm like that's impressive whether you weigh 60 kilos or 200 kilos
0: yeah yeah but yeah i know that that was just a little add-on point for you guys to consider when you're thinking about things like like strength there's actually like so much going on under the hood and and above the hood that that people often don't even think about like you can go down to like internal moment arms the tendons like penation angle like how much muscle you already have how it grows where it grows it's 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 all mad stuff but anyways sure that's that's fairly irrelevant just just just
1: on on that stuff as well it's like as you change your body composition, some exercises may benefit more than other exercises. Like we were saying before this, like, you know, well, I was saying before, it's probably easier to get relatively more strong on the bench press by gaining weight than it is to lose weight. You know Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like, if you just got up to like, it's more likely that you would bench 200 kilos if you weighed more, which is fairly, fairly, or rather I should not say 200 kilos. It should be, it's probably easier to get a double bodyweight bench if you weighed more than if you weighed less, right? Even though that would make, that would seem counterintuitive, but you have to remember, it's like, well, the bench press is a certain range of motion. So if you lose a load of fat, like even if it's just fat and you're like, oh, fat is non-contractile tissue. Like if you lose a load of fat off your chest and off your back, it's like that range of motion is now increased. So you're actually doing more work. So like I was saying, it's like the, you have to factor that in when you're losing weight it's like oh well i only maintained my my bench press strength and it's like well maybe you actually got stronger because you know you're working through a slightly bigger range now because you know you've lost an inch off your chest you know so it's like eh, like that's it's it's a little bit of a harder conversation but the same goes the opposite way it's like well if you gained five inches onto your chest purely from fat it's like well you now have to bench five less inches so did you actually get stronger or did you just
0: But you, you've so got those, those big muscles. fat arms to carry as well <laughs> Got so like it's, it's
1: just it's, it's incredibly <laughs> nuanced and yeah <laughs> it's, like it's hard to compare different individuals and this way eventually it all just comes down to like are you as an individual getting stronger over time and how does your strength compare at different body weights to where you were in the past you know so yeah, like as an anecdote, like I always find my squat gets stronger as I diet. You know, it's just I find it easier to get into the right positions. That's not to say, that's not to say that gaining like being in a surplus doesn't make my squat stronger. What I mean is like the actual experience of squatting feels easier, and I'm able to slowly but surely continue to get stronger as I get leaner. You know, and that's purely I presume because like I'm losing fat on my my hips and around my knees or whatever, and it just allows a better position for me but you could also make the argument for other individuals that if they lose weight in the squat like their entire squad is going to go to fucking shit because you know they're basically their squad is always trying to close a book on a tennis ball because they have this huge like power belly and they always use that so as soon as that's gone it's like well my squad is gone you know
0: but anyway. yeah man, mice. My squat feels horrible when I die because my legs always get really lean, like really fast. So it's like, there's just nothing there anymore. You just suddenly have this extra like six inches of range of motion where your your fat hamstrings used to touch your fat calves, but not anymore. <laughs> but anyway.
1: This just I, goes back to <laughs> my, my, why my squats are more impressive, Gary. I have no calves. So even when my hamstrings are touching my calves, that has to be factored in, you know?
0: It's literally just all Achilles tendon. That's all it is. It's all
1: I have. Like there's this little like, you know, tiny calf at the top that just goes, like that's why it's so strong. It just goes, and this tendon just goes. <laughs> it's
0: the way it works. Well, I mean, um, well yeah, we're. I don't, Let's let's get back get back on track. I'm not even sure where we were. We started talking, but yeah, we started talking about how there's a difference in the the time the time course relative to your calories. Like if you if you're thinking of those two things, like your calorie change over time where calories are distributed does matter on a, you know, you can think of it on a daily basis, but what we were talking about is like on a monthly and yearly basis. It's not, it's not just all the same. Um, so yeah, you can't just treat humans as like really simple systems. And like, while it's really nice to say, Oh, it's all just calories. Like you said, you know, social factors come into it. You know, you can think of psychological factors related to, to training, which are a huge one. Like I know loads of people who at yeah, maintenance, like they're still hungry, like they're still hungry a good portion of the time. And when you're hungry, like that's going to change your affect towards training. You know, you're going to have a different perspective on training if you're hungry because that's a low level stressor that's on your mind to some degree and um, not necessarily harmful, but some people are affected by it more than others. And if that's on your mind in training, like all you want to do is go and eat, you know. So, so it is a, it's a different ball game, it's not just as simple as saying yeah calories
1: and the hard thing to really discuss is is it's going to be different for everyone and the only way you can experience this is to actually experience this you know for example like i'll use myself like i find eating at maintenance like i'm i don't feel like i'm completely fueled like when i'm eating a surplus i feel a certain way when i'm like oh yeah like i have more fuel i can feel like i have more energy go to the gym feel great blast it whatever but then if i eat at maintenance i don't Quite feel that I kind of feel hungry all the time as well. Whereas if we at a calorie deficit, like I don't feel hungry. Like I obviously those processes tick up, and I'm like in this like zone. Like I feel very focused. I feel whatever. But if I eat at maintenance for me, I'm like I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I have this extra energy. But I also feel kind of hungry. Like I feel hungrier at maintenance than I do in a deficit. You know. So the only way you can ever experience that or know that about yourself is to actually go out and experience it. So. Do you have anything else to add? Because I'm just going to go straight into things.
0: No, I think that's a good, good little add-on point. And I would agree. Go on. So, go on, Ed.
1: When we're actually thinking about how do we approach this, because ultimately this is the question. Like we've just fucking fast around for whatever, however long this is. And ultimately what we actually want to discuss is what should your plan of action be? So I'm going to give a few examples and we'll kind of start talking through them because then you can see like, okay, so that's roughly where I fall in and that's roughly what I should do, you know? so. First of all, we have articles on the site. They're in tier three. They should form your foundation. Read them. You're going to get way more in depth than we're going to discuss here. So, (laughs) I go off on a few tangents here that you might not get in the articles, but if you just want the plan of action, it's all there, right? So, for most people coming to us that have the goal of improving their physique over time, right, you are more likely or most likely going to start with some sort of fat, fat loss phase right? And again, obviously, it depends on the individual, like they come to us and they're 6% body fat. I'm not going to be like, oh, we have to lose fat first, you know, but the vast majority of people will say they're in a relatively okay body fat percentage, and they want to gain muscle over time, gain strength, gain whatever, right? I like to use the range of for guys that kind of will say 8 to 15% body fat, right? That's the range I want to see people stay in for the most of their life right? So if someone comes to me, they're roughly 25% body fat. And again, like we're not like going over there with the calipers or getting them to get X scans, like just a visual inspection be like, this is where we're at with body fat, right? The first thing I'm going to do is bring them into some sort of deficit. And again, we can set up training so that we're maybe achieving some <laughs> sort of that body recomposition where, you know, we're building a little bit of muscle. But like Gary was saying before, you know, we want to get that buy-in first of all, where it's like, Okay, we can actually see that we're moving towards somewhere and we can actually see how your body actually looks without the body fat and obviously this is going to improve health overall, right? So you've two approaches with this. And it doesn't mean that one is inherently better than the other and you can you can obviously be staggered with these as well. So I'm going to come to it from those two perspectives. You can have the guy who comes to you with 25% body fat. So you can bump it into a deficit first of all, right? And Over time, purely by cleaning up the diet, purely by, you know, starting training, they might be building some muscle and they might be losing some body fat. Once they get down to that kind of, we'll say 15% body fat range, like around there, you know, you can make an argument that we'll do some sort of maintenance, some sort of diet break. They've already lost 10% body fat. They're at the higher end of that. We'll call it the health range. Again, like these, these numbers are supported, but it's also obviously very individualized, for for you, you know, you might find like, oh, I feel best, look my best, whatever at 18%. And again, like I'm not, I'm not getting you to do a DEXA scan or calipers or fucking buy whatever bod pod or anything. It's just visual inspection, rough and ready rule, you know? Um, But you get them down to that kind of 15%. You could maybe go into some sort of maintenance phase where it's like, yeah, we're not really trying to gain any excess muscle, but we're you know we're making sure everything is optimized. We can then make a decision whether what we want to do going forward. Generally, however, I would like people to start in a gaining phase at the lower end of that body fat range. Now that doesn't mean eight percent it doesn't mean six percent. It means somewhere around that kind of eight to ten percent again individualized. Like you might have the individual who came to you 25% body fat. That's just you know it's too much for them to initially get down to six percent after you know we'll say they did 12 weeks of dieting they got down to 15% they stayed at maintenance for roughly 2 weeks cuz you were like let's just stay here make sure everything's good you know um <laughs> make a decision then where we want to go with this i would generally say let's continue with the fat loss but they they may not want that you know and um, so getting down from 15 to 8% for someone who has been maybe their whole life at 25% you know that's a bit that's a big jump you know but getting them down to towards the lower end of the range is probably a good idea if you ultimately want to go on to build muscle, right? So that's what I would do. I would go, let's try to get you down to the lowest we can get you body fat wise without making this excessively hard in terms of actually adhering to the diet, excessively hard in terms of actually adhering to the overall plan or impacting your life in this hugely significant way in terms of like, oh, I can only eat chicken and broccoli, and I have to do that because I can never talk to my friends even because they always want to go out. You know, like, that's not what we want. You know, we want to think of like, yes, we do want to get results. but We do want to keep sustainability in, in our mind, right? So that's where you would start if you had someone who was very overweight. Again, they may have low muscle mass as well. They might be in that skinny fat category where they have very low muscle mass and just 25% body fat or more, you know? So, again, you would hope that some muscle was being built in that time uh, as you lost body fat. We'll say it occurred over 26 weeks. So, you know, it goes to half a year. You would presume that some muscle was being built, especially if they're coming to you as a beginner. However, the whole time your main focus is let's get down to the lower end of the body fat range, right? And then from there, I would start bringing it into a, again, like if I got down to, we'll say we're happy with 10%. I would just go, right, now the goal is to maintain that for two, three weeks and then slowly but surely go into some sort of gaining phase, right? And again, this doesn't have to be excessive. You know, maybe we're talking 200, 300 extra calories per day and slowly but surely adjusting that over time so that we are gaining at an appropriate rate for that individual. And again, the the bog standard recommendation we'll say is one kilo per month for men. Um, But you can make that go, okay, so this individual doesn't seem to have a great response to training overall. We're going to actually just lower that and we're going to say, they're only gaining 0.6 or 0.5 kilos per month, which obviously then brings in some sort of measurement error. But again, it's just an average that we're looking for overall, right? So that's what you do with that individual, or rather, that's what we would do with that theoretical individual, you could also have the individual that comes to you at 15% body fat. So they're within this range. But again, they're that kind of skinny fat, you know, you can if you wanted, if that individual was like, no, I want to recompose, I want to do this body recomposition, you could essentially spend the first month just nailing down good processes, good dietary practices, good training practices, getting everything on point. And they may stay roughly the same body weight, but they may lose some body fat and gain some muscle. Again, we're talking about a beginner here. So they're coming to you and they're like, yeah, I've never really trained before, but you know, I'm happy with where my weight is at roughly, but I'm not happy with my body fat or my muscle mass. So you could stay there for about a month see where body composition, how body composition changes as you really dial these things in. And for most individuals, I actually really like a month of essentially just learning about the client, you know? So we're not really in a deficit, but we are getting some, some results in some metrics. Now that's obviously a lot, a lot or very hard to get buy-in with clients like that. If you just say, yeah, we're basically going to spend the first month doing nothing. You know, that's, that's very hard to, to get in with. Where if you're like, okay, look, this is the process that we're going to bring you on. These are the kind of milestones that we want to see. And you explain it to them. They might be happy with that. And they may also be like, no, I actually just, I need to lose the body fat first, you know? And um, if that individual is like, yeah, I'm happy with that rebody or body recomposition plan. You can spend the first month just kind of learning the individual, you know, maybe gain some muscle, maybe lose some fat, see where things are at and then make a decision from there. If it was me in that context, I'd be like, okay. We're going to go into a deficit. Maybe we hit it a little bit harder because, again, you're within that range. We can spend four to six weeks getting you down to, we'll say, the 10% range, you know, losing about 5% body fat, rather aggressively, but not so aggressively that you can't stick to the plan. Because, again, we've spent this month learning your body. We spent this month already kind of going, okay, yeah, I understand where I'm at overall. I understand how my body responds, how I feel when I'm eating a certain way and my nutrition, my sleep, stress—all that kind of stuff impacts me. You've already got that nailed down. If they came to me and they were like, "Oh, 15% body fat, uh, I just want to lose weight," I would do it over a slower time course because again, you can still be get there again. Again, they're a beginner, so you can still be getting some muscle gain as you lose body fat. And again, if you do that over a slower time course, we'll say 12 weeks, you can, and we'll say the other one took whatever fucking 10 weeks. Uh, you can end up in the same point, but again, those two experiences are different. And again, it's it's hard to tell which one is more appropriate. So I would then go, yeah, diet. Let's get down to a lower point in that body fat range. We'll say eight to ten percent. Cool. You feel good at eleven percent. I don't care. Like, let's let's go on to the next phase, which again would be like, okay, let's start slowly but surely gaining. Again, you might spend some sort of time in a maintenance phase at that lower end just to kind of get the body used to it. Um, they used to call it a hardening phase, whether they were in a surplus or dieting. They'd be like, yes, this is a hardening phase where it's like, we're just going to stay at maintenance roughly and get the, the physique, the body you know, accustomed to this new weight um, and then move on to whatever the next phase is. So those are those two individuals. If it's a female, the body fat ranges change, obviously. So for females, we'll say it's kind of 25 to 16, 15%. Again, like they're, it's a little bit harder to tell with females because you can have females at like 30% that have really good metabolic health and everything. Whereas, you know, males don't tend to, do as well at the higher body fat ranges you know they seem to have way more dysregulation like women just seem to be more resilient to fucking everything um so we'll just say 16 to 25 but again you could make that argument for 30 but we'll just say that range and then someone comes to you in those exact same two scenarios that they came to you as a male i'm going to do the exact same thing if someone comes to me and they're 40 percent body fat and they're like yeah i want to lose weight i want to lose body fat like i'm not going to start them off in a body recomposition phase i'm gonna be like right let's get down to at least the higher end of that range then we can make a decision from there you know same as if they came to you at the higher end of the range and you're like all right we can either stay at this we can do some sort of body recomposition but given the fact that you know women don't have this great response to training like guys seem to do now again obviously we're talking generalizations here not individual like you might find you have a fucking great response to training way better than all the guys you know combined um but as a general rule women don't build muscle as fast as guys do so i'm less likely to put you into some sort of recomposition phase because it's just going to have to be way way more dragged out i'd probably still go into that diet phase and be like right let's get you down to a body fat level that you find acceptable within that fucking whatever 16 to 25 range. And then from there, once I get to that acceptable body fat for you, you know, we're going to stay there for two weeks, four weeks, and then we're going to make a decision. Maybe it is a slight gaining phase where it's like, yeah, we've got 100, 200 calories extra per per week or or per day even. uh, And we're going to go from there. So that would be my perspective. So essentially it boils down to I'm never really recommending a body recomposition phase, unless it's like, okay, we're, we're going to start off for four weeks and basically just learn what you're like as a person, how you respond to training. Like I wouldn't even put it down as a body recomposition phase. I would just be like, this is just a fact finding mission here. You know, it's like, I just want to know how you respond to training, how you respond to diet. We're going to eat at a calorie maintenance level so that, you know, you don't find the changing your diet habits is really hard because you're also in a deficit and that that would be the only real time that i would recommend some sort of body recomposition i wouldn't even frame it as a body recomposition it's basically just eating at maintenance or what we think is maintenance so that we can see how the body responds and then adjust from there you know would that be similar to how you would think of things
0: yeah and 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 kind of like what you alluded to there at the end like there's there can be utility in these kind of maintenance phases without calling them um body re- without the intent being body recomposition exclusively and and a really good example of that is someone who maybe has a a, a history of a, a poor relationship with food let's say and constant like cyclical dieting like you know up down up down up down um really you know just not comfortable with with their body and staying at the same place for that person i think practicing staying at maintenance is just super important um because like have, having a period of time where you're you're just maintaining and you're saying like i'm not actually trying to see regular increases on the scale or decreases on the scale and just maintaining it can really lead to like a solidification of your habits um in, in one sense because what can happen is like you end up really like pushing yourself to one extreme like especially with guys bulking they kind of end up in this mindset where need to be full all the time, need to be eating all the time. And every meal is is looked at with the perspective of muscle building, as opposed to it being like, you know, food in this social setting, having a meal, enjoying it, you know, because it, there's elements of that that are important. Obviously, like if you're, if you're Michael Phelps listening to this, food is fuel, full stop, you know, <laughs> like that's pretty much what it's about. Um, but for most of us, it's about it's
1: context, like you look at that, it's like, people make out these huge arguments with these athletes and they're like whatever but it's like Mm -hmm. you have to look at that on the actual longer timescale it's like yes that's that's their approach in the 24 weeks whatever before the Olympics. like yes that is their approach to some extent throughout the whole training cycle because obviously they have to think of like every four years or whatever you know maybe there's nationals or other events world events in between that they have to factor in but for the vast majority of that time, athletes are not being this hyper strict, hyper like all oh, food is fuel. They're like, yeah, actually, you know, like two, three meals a week, like I have with my family or uh, with my friends and I enjoy it. And like, yeah, it is fueling me overall, but I'm not in that. This is fucking everything mindset, you know? So that, that's what kind of people think as well when they discuss that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, they're always in this. It's like, no, they have periods of time where their focus is very much on that and periods of time where it's like, yeah, we're a little bit more lax.
0: Yeah, so those 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 maintenance phases, like that's something that that I implement with a lot of clients who have a, a longer-term fat loss goal as well. Like you might look at it as like a, a quote-unquote diet break, um, but of a lot of, a lot of it for me is actually just getting used to like – regulating your calorie level around that level without trying to move anywhere because it can be easy sometimes to manage your nutrition when you know there's a very specific goal and you see that all the time in competitors or anyone doing a photo shoot like their nutritional discipline is like perfect on point they're organized their meals are prepped all the time when they're preparing but there's no element of maintenance after that or before that it's like i do a photo I absolutely blow up after and have no structure, and then in six or nine months again you do a photo shoot again. So there's never that 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 point in time where you're really developing it as a lifestyle. And um, so yeah, like I have, I have one one girl who I coached and she's she's a high level GA athlete, and she's she's essentially attained this you know gold this holy grail of body recomposition, you could say, over the last over the last year or more, and. But that, what that has looked like has been periods, extended periods of us being in a deficit and losing some body fat, and then maintaining for a while, going back into a little bit of a deficit. And now we've been taining, maintaining again for a couple of months. And when you look at her physique in terms of like being at the same weight as she was like this time last year, like it's, it's pretty incredible. Like She's actually built a, a fairly significant amount of muscle. And again, she's an athlete at a high level so she's got one of those higher training responses in general so you might expect that also all the habits that go with that being you know discipline with nutrition and training etc it's a lifestyle um but yeah even with her like getting used to that that getting used to being at maintenance and adopting that perspective of you know food as being a social tool to some degree food as being a as being few to some degree as well is important um, I think if you can shift your mindset towards fu- food being something that is important to fuel your training, I think that can be a big win versus it being almost almost like a punishment that you're trying to avoid, you know, to get to your end goal. Um, so yeah, that, that's the other context that I really think these maintenance phases um, can be useful for whether or not it's framed as a body recomposition phase. So it doesn't always have to be tied to that.
1: And just, just on that point as well, like something that, I know you do and I'll also do with my clients is when you're trying to get them from, say, they've been tracking for a while, you know, they've been like really on point with their diet because like generally that's how we'll start most, like most people off will be like, right, we actually need to track the diet to some extent because, you know, if you're not, if you're not testing in some degree or tracking in some degree, like it's, it's pretty hard to see where you're at or get a plan of action going, you know, and again, that's not with everyone, but like I always recommend the vast majority of people just, okay, let's just start you with tracking, you know, like, let's just get like my fitness balance and stuff, see what you're eating. Okay. Now we can start noticing trends. We can start seeing patterns, you know, maybe then the approach becomes, here's some sort of, we'll call it a meal plan, but it's more of a, like a meal structure. And for some people, it's going to be like, oh, here's just macros. Here's maybe how we sort them out throughout the day. But you know, it could just be like, here's a daily slash weekly macro Calorie goal, you know? So obviously there's different approaches to come from this. But if you've been tracking and you're kind of like, you know, I wouldn't mind getting onto a phase where I'm not really tracking and like you like you do, Gary, where you're like, I'm not actively tracking my nutrition, but you've already built all these really good habits, these these this nutritional understanding, this nutritional knowledge where you're like, I can actually go ahead and not track, but still stay on track, you know? And I find like maintenance phases are really good for this. And obviously, like we're not going out with the expressed, oh, we're going to body recompose. We're going to build muscle and lose fat. It's like, no, we're just going to eat roughly maintenance. So the body kind of, you know, maybe we do lose some fat. Maybe we do gain some muscle. But like the goal is really just to eat at maintenance and continue to fuel performance, to continue to fuel health and all that kind of stuff. And then you can track them or like you can get them to track while they're doing that, and then be like, okay, so what we're going to try to do is now we're just going to keep an eye to calories, and we're going to keep an eye to protein, and you can kind of play around a little bit with fats and carbs, like what you feel on a daily basis, and then you can kind of go, okay, now we're going to do some, we'll call it retrospective tracking. That's that's the next step I kind of bring them into, uh, where it's like, okay, I want you to eat freely for the day, and then track what you eat at night. You know, in terms of like go back and go, what did I have for breakfast? What did I have for lunch? What did I have for dinner? Okay. So what I thought I was eating and what I was eating, they are on point with the calories I was supposed to be at, you know, or maybe you're like, Oh, actually, no, I I realize I'm actually eating a slight surplus now, you know, when I do that kind of stuff, you know, and then from there, they get a better understanding of, okay, so that rough amount of food is equal to this rough amount of calories, you know, it's a a nice little transition. Obviously, there is some sort of measurement error there because you have to recall like what what did i actually have for breakfast did i can't really remember if i had two biscuits at that tea break or i had one you know so it's, it, there are inherent issues with it but eventually we want to get you to a stage where it's like you're, you're not tracking and you're still able to stay on track so we need to overcome those hurdles somehow anyway you know so this is one approach to do it and then from there you're kind of like okay so i want you to eat freely but eat at maintenance You know, and once you're able to do that, then it's like, okay, now we can start playing around with the diet overall where you don't have to track, but you can still stay on track with whatever it is. Like I have a few clients, especially like GA clients where it's like, yeah, well, like we don't need to be excessively focused on the diet. It's like, you already have a huge output. You already have good nutritional practices in place because, you know, we've put them in place over time. And it's like, you can eat freely because you know now how to eat Freely and stay on track with what we're trying to achieve you know and then obviously if we're like okay no we need to really dial down on certain things like yes we want to like lose body fat or we want to really go for performance increases or whatever we might track down again just to make sure that we're really on point but that's that's where i see these maintenance phases also being very useful and again you can frame that as like oh we're going like I call them gain-tenance, where it's like, yeah, we're we're trying to gain strength or we're trying to gain muscle because that's that's always the goal overall. But we're not actually putting too much of a focus on that. We're, if we maintain happy days, like you know, if we gain even happier days, but that's what we're trying to to do overall.
0: Sweet. I'm just reading the the questions here from. From Ben, although we we didn't disclose his identity until now, so now it's out there. Now it's out there, Mister Hen Baron. So um yeah, I think we I think, I think we covered most of the things that we wanted to touch on. The only other thing that well, we kind of mentioned already, but the end was like does, is is beginning bulking at a high body fat percentage. Does it lead to negative outcomes? And like as you said, with, with reference to the body fat body fat ranges, like generally it's not advisable just because there are adverse outcomes to, you know, increasing your body fat over time, particularly in males, as you said, if it is that kind of central adiposity. So if you have more body fat around your midsection and around your organs, that tends to lead to more of those adverse um, metabolic ill health effects that, that you might be concerned with um, when you're talking about a high body fat. High body fat. So, so yeah, it, it's not just about the body fat. It's also where the body fat is located on the body. Um, and you can also make the case that, you know, where, where, what, what way you're building that body fat, like, is it, is it the result of structured, good, healthy diet overall, mostly, you know, other than the fact that you're over consuming calories, um, or is it, the, or is it just like binge eating all the time on junk food? You know, so there's, there's differences there, but yeah, generally we wouldn't advise, um, but, but we wouldn't advise bulking at a high body fat percentage, but at the same time, it's difficult to give the specific cutoff, which is why Patty those ranges and you know those ranges then are going to vary depending on where your body fat is actually located on the body um, and also obviously whether or not you have any like clinical diagnosis as in like if you've been to your doctor and they've said you have high blood pressure your LDL is way elevated you know you've got high triglycerides you've got all these changes that have already been identified then it's more of a concern that you're like oh well yeah Gaining body fat is a terrible idea in that context. You know, if that if that's what you're looking to do. So yeah, it's it's there's no clear cut answer. But in general, we'd recommend trying to start from a lean starting point because of those health reasons. Also because the further you get away from a healthy level of body fat, the further you have to come back um, in the future, which can be difficult. Um, and there was one more, there was one more point related to that. Uh, da, 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 da. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But yeah, they, they're just my additional concerns.
1: Yeah. And with, with that, like obviously again, body fat ranges are just ranges. They're just averages. And obviously with averages, there's, you, you're you going to have inherent issues with that. So again, don't take me to be like oh, Patrick said 15% was the, the cutoff. I'm like, I'm like, that's, not what I'm saying, you know. Maybe for you it's 12. I don't fucking know. Maybe after 12% body fat, you just have terrible metabolic health, you have terrible blood lipids, you have terrible fucking, you know, circulatory system overall. I, I don't know. Like it's it's an individual thing, but for the vast majority of people, this is kind of the range. And like like you were saying there, it's like it, you you could easily figure out the exact range for you as an individual. Like you could go to the doctor and get all these tests. You could get like measure your blood glucose every single morning. You could, you could do all of this stuff. Right. And you could find out the exact range that is good for your body. But at the same time, you're just going to come down to the exact same conclusion that I just gave you and you've spent like whatever fucking X amount of money on it and be like, all right. Yeah. So, you know, for me, probably over 16% body fat is not great, you know, but I, (laughs) I always like uh, framing it in terms of like you, you actually said this just before the, the podcast when we're discussing this, it's like if you're going into a phase that inherently has you or has a higher potential of you gaining fat, obviously starting from a fatter position is not going to be a good idea. You know, like that's that's not like if, if that's the what we'll called the quote unquote negative outcome, like we don't want to increase body fat. If you've already got more body fat, it's like the, the margin of error for gaining body fat is just lower overall. You know, you have less of a buffer. You know, whereas if you start at 8% and we'll say 20% is just for you just terrible metabolic health, you know? Like you have 12 whole percent to run with. You know how much muscle gain you could get while slowly accumulating 12% body fat? A fuck ton. You know how much muscle gain you can get while you try not to gain two percent body fat because you started at 18%? Not as much, you know? So while we can get into again, like the 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 nuanced hormonal signaling you know the nuanced insulin sensitivity and all that kind of stuff just on a very intuitive level if you're like i have a tank that can fit 20% body fat into it and i start noticing ill health and i start filling the tank slowly at 8% versus i start filling the tank slowly at 18% you can already see which one of those is going to reach a negative position quicker you know so just on, on that point, it's like, yeah, okay. So gaining or going into a gaining phase while at a higher body fat is probably not the, the best idea overall. You know, again, that's not to say that for you, it can't be done. Like you could, again, go out, get all the fucking tests in the world, go out and get everything done and be like, you know, actually I don't notice any negative health consequences until I'm at 40% body fat, you know? Like we could make an argument that, yeah, like you could start at a higher body fat percentage. But again, that doesn't mean that that's then optimized for actually gaining muscle, you know, again, due to like insulin sensitivity and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can do all the testing in the world. And yes, it's an individual thing. But ultimately, for the vast majority of people, staying in that range of 18, or sorry, 18, 8 to 6%, or 8 to 16-ish 15 ish percent body fat for males that's where you're going to notice the the best return on investment from from a gaining phase and again for women it's that kind of say 15 to 25 you know and you will see like anecdotally where people are like oh yeah like i got up to 16 percent body fat and you know my, my my gains were just coming thick and fast and like my bench press was going fucking unreal but again it comes down to what we were kind of like discussing earlier on it's like how much of this is actually strength gain or how much of this is actually, you know, you've just gotten so fat that your, your levers have completely changed and you now are benching three inches less because your, your chest is so fat, you know? So like, again, it's incredibly nuanced and it's hard to fully tease out every single little thing. But, and also, well, it's actually easy to tease out, but it's only easy to tease out after the fact. Like if you lose like fucking 20% of your, your strength because you're in a a deficit, you know, did you really own that strength? Maybe it was just changes in leverages and changes in, you know, mechanics due to excess body fat, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I think that covers pretty much everything with this body recomposition. Basically, yes, you can gain muscle and lose fat in the same time period, not directly at the same time, but over the course of a day, over the course of a week, yes. Is it the best approach? No. Can it be done more appropriately for certain populations? Yes. Generally, it's you know anabolic users, people who have never trained before or people who are coming back from an injury. Again, I put in that peripheral one where it's like, yeah, we can, we can kind of call this a body recomposition for those smaller females where it's really a deficit, but the deficit is so low that you know, muscle gain might actually catch up with, with fat loss. But again, that's that's purely just because I don't like dieting females on like 1,100 calories for extended periods of time, which is, you know, what you're going to have to do if you're a sedentary 50 kilo female, you know. Um, and other than that, if we discuss like a maintenance phase, we'll call this a diet break or a maintenance phase. Yes, it has more utility, but I wouldn't be in my mind thinking of this as, a period of time where I'm actively trying to get this body recomposition. You know, it's basically like, yeah, if it happens, happy days. You know, but it's not the the main goal. And the main goal is to be at calorie maintenance. Do you have anything else to add to that, and Young Gary?
0: Nope, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. You know, the only the only thing, other thing I'd probably say is that it's normal to have these concerns where. You don't know what to do. You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to gain muscle or lose fat. But the best thing you can do is is commit. You know, whichever you do choose, commit to it. Don't do like the oh, I do it for two weeks, kind of half hours and do it the other for two weeks, half hours Because very often it ends up in that situation where you're kind of you're kind of you know dieting a little bit, but then you're binging on a couple of days, and it's like you don't really know where you are at all. So I would pick one. I would stick to it, and I would recognize. Use your past experience as well to recognize that the grass is always greener on the other side. Like when you're bulking, when you're actively gaining weight, all you think is valuable in the gym is the fact that you get leaner. You know, all you're looking at other people, you're like, "Oh, they're so lean, they're dieting. I wish I was dieting." And then when you're dieting, you're thinking, "Oh my god, I wish I could have those big, massive bowls of protein oats with chocolate bars I used to have when I was gaining weight." and Oh, I used to love how my squat felt, and I used to love getting stronger all the time. So, you have to keep those th- things in mind. And if, if you really struggle with that, like I would even just write it down. Like, when next time you're, ga- you're gaining weight actively, write down your thoughts about what you actually want, why you want to start dieting. And then, when you start dieting, write down why you want to start gaining. And you'll begin to see that your your thoughts are essentially playing tricks on you um, if you want to separate them from you but yeah you, to put it simply your mind can play tricks on you and it's always going to tell you that the opposite um seems more favorable but but yeah commit to one get the results from it and 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 don't end up just kind of stuck in the mud
1: 100 we also have an article on this very topic as well yep. you know it's supposed to like uh you know that no man's land where it's like yeah like uh, if you're a guy you know you're it came from this bigger position. You're like, yeah, I fill out my tops. I look fucking jacked in clothes. And people are like, yeah, he's a big guy. You know, weights just move for you in the gym. And then you go into a diet and you're like, yeah, I'm kind of still fat, but I'm not really as full as I used to. I don't fill out the tops anymore. I'm not throwing weights around in the gym. and But I'm still, I'm not exactly shredded. So I just kind of feel like a smaller version of myself, you know? And again, you have to push through that. But most people just don't. They go, oh, I'm not as full anymore, so fuck this and going back to gaming, you know, uh, which is perfectly fine. Again, if that's, if that's the experience you want to have in your life is that. But again, you have to acknowledge that there are trade-offs to that, you know. Anyway, I have nothing else to
0: add except that it is, in fact, too easy. Do you have anything else to add? It's, easy. it's just too easy. It is.